Hey everyone, welcome to the I Dare You podcast. You're in the right spot. This podcast is all about you and helping you reach the big goals that you have for your life. And the most important question is, what next steps will you take to get there? I'm your host, Darren Johnson. Welcome to the show. If you like what you hear, subscribe to the podcast so you do not miss an episode. And if you're on Instagram, make sure you follow us at I Dare You Pod. That's where all the action is happening. A great community, exclusive content, all designed to equip and inspire you to reach your goals. Follow us on Instagram at I Dare You Pod. I'll see you there. So our guest on this episode is none other than Mr. Graham McTavish, Scottish actor who's legit in everything. I'm a bit of a fanboy on this. You'll hear in the interview, I really do my best to control myself and to handle myself with decorum, and he's such a classy guy. Here are just a few of the projects he's been involved with. First off, he was in Rambo. He was in the TV series 24. He was in the Hobbit film trilogy. Also, Outlander on Stars and now on Netflix, which my wife and I have been huge fans since the beginning. He's in the Game of Thrones. He's currently on The Witcher on Netflix. Also, Men in Kilts, Road Trip with Sam and Graham. That's where they went all across Scotland. Huge hit on Stars. Also now second season on Stars, Men in Kilts, New Zealand, also with Sam and Graham. He's done extensive voiceover work, including video games on Call of Duty, Black Ops, and Call of Duty Modern Warfare. He's also been the voice of Loki in various Marvel animated projects. And in 2020, Graham became a best-selling author with Clanlands, Whiskey, Warfare, and a Scottish adventure like no other. And if that were not enough, Graham now has also launched his own spirit company, McTavish Spirits. And the very first expression from McTavish Spirits is the War Chief Bottled and Bond Super Premium Bourbon. I find so cool that a Scotsman is now launching his own spirit company, and the very first expression is a Super Premium Bourbon, which is uniquely American. So what can you expect to learn in this episode? You're going to learn about Graham's career and the lessons learned and what we can learn about happy accidents in life. You're also going to learn about how all of us have two parts to our lives, the one that is more our main vocation and what we get paid to do and other things that we can do for ourselves. You're also going to learn how by getting out of your comfort zone can open up doors you cannot anticipate. And finally, buckle up. You're going to learn about McTavish Spirits and War Chief, the super premium bourbon, and what goes into launching this brand new brand. Okay, I think it's time. I'm a fan, and I try to hide my excitement, as you'll hear in this interview. Let's see how I do. I think you're going to like this one. There's a lot of learnings from Graham. Let's get into it. Here, everyone, is Graham McTavish. Graham, welcome to the I Dare You podcast. It is wonderful having you here. My pleasure. Thanks very much for having me. Are you in New Zealand right now? Are you in no, Scotland? No, or? no, no. Uh, I'm in England. Uh, I'm near uh, the city of Bath. Okay. Um, in in the west of England. Yeah. So very, very beautiful. If you've never been to Bath, it's a beautiful city. It's, I've never uh, been. I'm going to London next year and then right. off to Scotland for about seven days. Yeah. And I, I have not even begun to look at my itinerary or where I'm going to be going, but I cannot wait. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, uh, I just got back, actually, and um, it's uh, it never ceases to... Uh, just fill me with awe in Scotland. Um, we were in the in the Highlands near um, near Sky, near the Isle of Sky, um, mm. on the Isle of Sky, and adjacent in an area near uh, Plockton, which is okay. just it's just exquisitely beautiful. It's just lovely. <laughs> uh, people are great, um, and it, you know it doesn't really matter what the weather's like. Honestly, some of the time it was raining, you know, on and off, but it just. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's very magical. Well, I saw on your Instagram, it was um, road test number two. It was you you, <laughs> you and your wife. Yeah. You pulled off the side of the road and yep. it was your uh, McTavish Spirits uh, war chief. Right. And, yeah. <laughs> and, I, yeah. and I, I'm going to let you tell the story, but then I've got a follow up on it. What was going on in that scene? <laughs> yes, we've done, we did a, we've done a few of these now. I've just put out the third one. And we're gonna we're gonna do them. It just it just appealed to me the idea of of trying out the whiskey with um, these folding chairs that we have, and then just parking them in all these ridiculous locations and forcing my poor long suffering wife to to try them try the the whiskey with me. Uh, but it, yeah, it's fun. It's fun. It's fun. And, uh, I I like uh, I like doing stuff like that. 
one of the, one of your hashtags on that post on your Instagram is hashtag a French woman drinking the American spirit with a Scotsman. <laughs> <laughs> All true. Which summed All it up true. pretty well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She's a good sport. Yeah. Seems that way. So Graham, thanks again for being here. We were talking before we started about you're very, very busy. Uh, you're in a lot of different projects. You have a propensity for staying busy. It, you're, you're a busy, busy guy, are you not? Yeah, yeah. I, well, I try I try to be. I've, I've been doing this for uh, very close to 40 years now. Very Unreal. Um, and I've been lucky enough to just be an actor. Uh, I mean, when I started out, let me think, when did I, when, when I started out, I was um, I was a cycle courier. I was I was supplementing my um, any acting that I did with uh, being a cycle courier, which was very new in those days. No, there weren't cycle couriers. This was like 1983. Yeah, and that was that was how I earned my my money when I was waiting to get acting jobs. But um, yeah, I try and keep busy. Uh, I have yeah. a very, I mean, some in some ways too much of a strong work ethic I, I you know my my wife actually describes me as as making sandwiches in my life that, that, that are just too full so you know just take away the sandwich and just stick to one <laughs> or two things rather than overloading it but I, I love I love being busy well we're going to talk about McTavish spirits which is one of your obviously just a really cool new adventure you're on before we get there however but where did this passion for acting begin for you? What was it right away from the beginning? You knew that this is what you wanted to do with your life. No, 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 no. Um, well, I I wanted to be a writer. That was my. Mm. Thing. Uh, I wanted to be. I wanted to write books, and I wrote books, uh, adventure novels. When I was a teenager, um, I started when I was about eleven, uh, writing these books. I wrote three, um, and uh, nobody's ever seen them. I think my mother saw them um, and I just <laughs> loved the process of doing it. I loved making up stories and using my imagination. And whenever anybody used to ask me what I wanted to be when I grew up, which is what all adults ask children, um, I used to say, I want to be a writer. And they would just laugh, obviously. Uh, and um, and I used to write comic sketches with my best friend, uh, a chap called Neil Graham. And uh, we didn't trust anybody to perform the comic sketches other than us. <laughs> So we would do them. And my drama teacher, a guy called Des Margotson, uh, he asked me, he would ask me to, get, to be in school plays. And I always said, no, I was not interested, not remotely. And then one day he asked me to be in a production of The Rivals by Sheridan. And uh, it, it was a young, an actor had dropped out three days before and they needed a replacement. And I had three days to learn the part. Uh, the actor was sick. And to this day, I honestly don't know why I agreed. Um, really? I, I, no, I, I I can't be sure. I think probably <laughs> there was a girl in the cast that I fancied, and it oh, would be that. Just trying to great. impress somebody. A complete accident, and and that's the strange thing. I think, I mean, I'm, I don't know about you, but I I think it's something that's common for many people, is that life is a series of accidents. Um, and sometimes you can seize those accidents and make something of them, or that they stimulate something in you that you didn't know existed, um, if they're fortunate accidents anyway. Mm. Um, and uh, and I think it, it, I've, I've never really had a plan, so to speak. You know, I've not been... I've not been thinking, right, this is what I'm going to be doing, this is the next thing, and blah. I've, I've really just gone along with the flow of wherever things are taking me so that took me to uh, america well uh, back to scotland originally did a load of theater in scotland then went to went back to london did more theater in london bit of tv then i moved to america mm. and then america sent me to new zealand and new zealand sent me back to america and then back to europe and and so um i think for the kind of life that most actors have, or certainly the ones that I know, uh, it's good <clears throat> if you have a sort of gypsy type of mentality that you mm -hmm. don't feel tied. I mean, I literally just moved today. I was telling you just earlier. Um, and uh, yeah, I've, I've not been in the same house 
for more than four years at a stretch in my, Is that right? my adult life. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, that's really similar to my wife, Michelle and I, we've, uh, we're not in the entertainment industry. So I've been, I've been in corporate America in the United States. Mm-hmm. We've moved all over the U S and because of relocations and promotions and, and that was a bit of our approach, Graham was, we don't yeah. know what's around the corner, but yeah. you know what? this is going to be fun. Let's take that step. And um, in fact, I've heard you talk before in a somewhere else about, I think the phrase you used was happy accidents, which it leads you down these paths. You just can't, you just can't anticipate. Yes. No, you, you, you can't, you have to be open to them. Uh, And um, yeah, you have to embrace change. You have to be somebody that, that thrives on change. I, Mm -hmm. I think. Uh, which I do to a degree. I mean, I'm, I'm sort of, um, I have a sort of dual personality in this regard. There's a part of me that's always looking for change and always looking for something new to do and uh, different projects or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but there's another part of me that is is kind of um, much more uh, trepidatious about that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Like sort of, whoa, let's just slow down. But uh, invariably, the other part wins and uh, I move. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. It's really working out for you. The the move to the United States, what where does that fit into this happy accident type uh theme here? What what did that move to the United States do? Where was your big break? Uh if you would if if that's my phrase. Well, I think um I mean the short version, if I I'll I'll try and do it, is that I became more and more interested in moving to America because I felt that America was going to give me personally more opportunities as an actor i i sort of came around to understanding about myself that um rather than being an actor who wanted a a future in classical theater in the in the united kingdom which is the sort of thing that you're you're taught to want you know you mm. you want to play hamlet you want to do these sort of things and i realized uh, i suppose quite late i mean i was in my early 40s that i, I didn't really want to play Hamlet I, I wanted to be in movies like in TV and action and you know adventure and fantasy and the kind of things that I've ended up doing and and once I admitted that to myself I realized that the opportunities for that were going to be um, in America but uh, my my then wife and I were just about to have our first child um, and in fact my daughter was born um, just towards the end of 2006 and we had um, we had planned, we thought about going to America, but I was then offered um, the stage production of Lord of the Rings, the musical. Okay. Yes. And I was going to play Sauron. Uh, sorry, sorry, Saruman. Saruman, the evil wizard. Yes. Yeah. And um, it was 18 months, good money, secure, solid, just had a baby. That would be, that's the right move. And for reasons that I won't bore you with, um, I, I realized that uh, what I was committing myself to wasn't really what I wanted. And I had an American manager at that point. And, and he said, look, you know, people are interested in meeting you out here. You should come out. And I, I sat with, with my, my then wife in New Zealand. We were on vacation introducing the in-laws to my daughter. And uh, the 15th of January of uh, 2007, uh, we were outside and we made the decision for me to stop going off to do the musical. I was due to start in three weeks, three oh. weeks. Yeah. Uh, to not do that and to move to America. And so I contacted my agent the next day. I said, get me out of the job. I don't want to do it. Wow. I'm moving to America. And they said, uh, and actually he was okay. You know, that he was, he was, he understood. And uh, a week later, um, I'd been given, uh, I'd, I'd actually got a tiny role in a film called Rendition that was with, it was a film with Jake Gyllenhaal that was made. And uh, I had a small role, but it was a role. It was a role in an American movie. And I arrived in America, I arrived in Los Angeles, ahead of my family, got out of the taxi where I was staying with a friend and my phone rang and it was my manager to tell me that they had cut the role completely. Oh my gosh. And so I was standing with my luggage. I literally thought, this is the worst decision I've ever made. This is a disaster. And I went inside. My friend was fine and he was great and really helped me. And 
And then a few, just a few days later, I got the audition for Rambo and I went in and I, you know, I, I knew the lines, et cetera, et cetera. And I sat in his office and it was surrounded, huge, huge, huge office. And it was surrounded with posters of Sylvester Stallone in different movies. And right. I, I was just looking around and I was like, wow. and then I realized I was in his office. Whoa. And, and at that moment, this figure just appeared on my left and it just said, hey, how are you doing? And I, <laughs> I literally just looked up and there he was. And really, I, oh yeah. And I, and he said, oh, you here for the audition? And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, oh, no, good luck. And, and I, <laughs> I, I sat there and then I went in and I did the audition. And it was one of those auditions that actors dream of, really, where they are so completely, well, I felt this anyway, so completely in command of what they're doing that you, you just own the room. Mm. And I delivered it left this was the casting director sly wasn't in the room i left and before i got home they'd rung and said they want you to do the movie way and, to go and that but what that taught me was that you need sometimes in life to have the courage to close a door behind you to to definitively close the door and say no i'm not doing lord of the rings the musical i'm going to go and do this and risk something and to and in taking that risk by putting that that sort of energy into the world, you get something back, and uh, and and that that's what that taught me. Yeah. Mm, that's a that is a great great lesson for all of us. But while you're in America, where did this where did this love for bourbon begin uh, for you? Yeah, yeah, very good question. I mean, because um, I I came from you know coming from Scotland and you know a whiskey Scotch whiskey background. My father giving sure. me whiskey. Uh, when I was very young, we would have it at dinner. He would make toasts, and and so it it was very much um, embedded in uh, the family life, like the 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 sense of community and uh, coming together, and all of those sort of things that one associates with with Scotch. And when I went to America, I had a I, I met a guy. Uh, who actually I did a series of video games with. He's called Nolan North, and we did Uncharted together. We did yeah. um, two of those together. And we became very, very good friends. And I was at his house, and he uh, he said, hey, you know, it was the end of the evening. He said, hey, do you want a, do you want a bourbon? And I, uh, because of Scotland and Scotch and everything, I had this really ignorant idea about bourbon. I just thought it was like the American version of Scotch. It was just, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, it's not really Scottish, uh -huh. though, is it? And, um, and of course, they're completely different. Completely different. Just the, the threat they call whiskey is the only thing they have in common. Um, and so he gave me a glass, and I loved it. I just mm. loved it. So the different flavors, the notes, the the just the nose on on bourbon compared with scotch, all of these things that just flooded into me. And But I felt this terrible guilt as well I felt did like you a, why well i felt like i was sort of cheating on scotch you know it's <laughs> like it was I, I was like some sort of heretic and i um <clears throat> i sat there and i i kept this sort of guilty secret that i i i actually prefer it and you know i'm from scotland this is not something that's easy to cheating say. on your country well a, little, well a wee bit and i sat there and enjoyed it and i'd enjoy it. and that was 20 years ago Mm -hmm. And I've enjoyed it ever since. And then the opportunity came along when I teamed up with um, with Paul and Connor, uh, the people I got to know from Kentucky. And they really, they really introduced me, like deep dive stuff into, mm. into urban. And the more I found out about it, the more I thought this is something that I'd love to, I'd love to explore further. And they came up with the suggestion of, hey, why don't we, why don't we try and get our own bourbon together? put put it uh, bottled in bond, you know, do the whole thing. And so we spend a, a lot of time doing R&D on, uh, on bourbon, which uh, they were used to and I was not. So yeah. I was smashed very quickly, whereas they were <laughs> just, they were fine. And I sat there and tasted many, 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 and we settled on this one particular one, which is um, 
70 percent uh corn 21 percent rye and and four percent um sorry 75 75 percent corn 21 percent rye four percent yeah. water barley and uh and that's that that rye element that sort of high rye element is what really I, it, it just it just takes it into a really interesting direction for me and and that's and that's what we've done we've we've Very come cool. out of that and and again a happy accident yes not something i sat down and thought it's time to launch a bourbon it really just came into my life and uh, i'm sort of running with it really well okay so for, by the way i am i am an, an amateur at this in fact uh, an enthusiastic amateur with bourbon mm. and mm. so i'm learning and i have to tell you graham that following your journey and your passion for this has really mm. sparked something within me. In fact, just this morning I was getting ready and uh, we're uh, M Michelle, my wife Michelle was uh, was by me and I I told her I'm talking to you today. <laughs> today. And at first she didn't believe it. She said, no, you're not talking. Outlander? Uh, and I said, yeah. oh yeah, Graham McTavish is coming on. Anyway, so I was feeling really quite confident about myself. The more mm. I learn about it, Graham, just the more intrigued I am about yeah. this spirit. When we say bourbon, we are that is uniquely American. In fact, in 1964, Congress named it as America's native spirit. Um, in 1897, mm. the federal government passed the Bottled and Bond Act, which put parameters around whiskey and what and the safety of it, even before they approached trying to get, you know, it's the first consumer protection act in the United States. Yeah. What I've noticed is you love history and the way yes. you bring history to life. Talk a little bit about. What makes it such a really unique American type spirit? Well, yeah, I think um, it goes back to that little sort of happy accident sort of story, really, uh, for America. And that that was that uh, when the settlers from England, Ireland, Scotland, all came, they came over when they came over to the East Coast of America, uh, they brought will with them their passion for distilling spirits. You know, that was what they did. Um, in, in the, you know, they, they made scotch, but what they wanted, uh, they wanted something similar, but they had access mainly to corn. So they started distilling that, see what, see what happens with that. Um, but then I think it was in 1791 that George Washington, uh, said, listen, I'm, I'm sorry, guys. Uh, you know, I'm a whiskey distiller myself, but we need to tax the whiskey because <laughs> i need the money because the revolutionary war cost us quite a lot of money so we need to actually make some cash so we're going to start taxing you on the whiskey and they went oh you know very interesting george but we don't really feel like paying any tax on that so we'll move west so they just moved uh, a lot of them not all of them but enough of them moved west into what we now know as um kentucky tennessee you know up towards indiana ohio and uh they started, well, they discovered this limestone seam um, and the iron-free water that makes mm. this unique American spirit, which is bourbon. And if it hadn't been for George Washington needing to raise money for tax, they, they may never have ended up there, and that may never have happened. So my, my history head got really excited about that. I just thought right. the whole connection with Scotland – the fact that the Scots, and not just the Scots, but the Scots came over. That was my interest. The Scots came over and they they did their thing. And and then that led to what we now know as bourbon. I just found that so fascinating. Um, and and the fact that uh, like the country it was born in, it's, it's relatively young, it's new um, compared to something like the United Kingdom and all the rest of it. So it, it just has that... Um, that excitement that comes with youth. And I, I see America as a youthful country, you know, in its attitudes and, and it's um, forward, forward reaching, forward seeking attitudes that some parts of Europe have, have lost. Let's go back to the moment you decided to pursue this. In one of the interviews that I heard with you, Graham, you talked about how your career could be put into two parts. The part that you were asked to do by others, and you do it happily and responsibly. I think that's pretty much a quote. But then you say, the second part are things that you do for yourself. And you gave some examples in, in your background, you know, uh, your play and your touring. And, and then you talked about bourbon. 
Talk to me a little bit more about why this is such a passion for you and the second part of someone's career, because I think it's a really a sophisticated way of looking at one's journey in life. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, yes, there is that part of your life that you do because, well, um, either you're lucky enough to be good at it or, or you're just lucky enough to be paid to do it. And, you know, that's, <laughs> that's what you end up doing. Um, and I enjoy acting. I enjoy being in other people's projects. I enjoy the scripts, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, uh, all of those things. But there have been sort of uh, marking points throughout my life that I've thrown myself into something because I really, really love it. Um, so, for instance, yeah, I did a play about Vincent van Gogh that uh, a friend of mine and I wrote for the National Gallery in London. And then we toured it all over the world and we toured it over a period of years, actually. And we didn't plan to tour it for, for years and years. But again, one of those sort of happy accidents I ended up. I did a, I produced a tour of a play by Eugene O'Neill, Long Day's Journey Into Night, because I loved working on it. And when we'd finished it, I, I, I said to myself, this has to be seen by a wider audience. So I took on the, the producing of the tour. Similarly, with, um, with Men in Kilts, with Sam, yes, with Clanlands, uh, that I'd always wanted to write originally about Scottish history. It, it was just something that really fascinated me, clan history and and finding out more from wh about where I came from. Mm. Um, so that that was something I threw myself into. And Men in Kilts kind of came out of that as well. And then the bourbon, the bourbon sort of seemed to um, just spark my imagination because it it mirrored. Uh, my sort of, how can I put this, my career journey, because my career start, started in Scotland and then I looked to America to to come, to sort of take that further. And similarly, my my personal journey um, started in Scotland, but then I, I looked to America for more. So it reflects a kind of um, a dream. I mean, I, I talk in the whiskey, it's on the bottle, it says a, a Scotsman's dream of America. And it is a, a dream. It's the realization of a dream, um, not just the whiskey, but the whole journey to America and what America has afforded me. And um, and I suppose it's all sort of tied up together in a way. Uh, that's that's higher purpose stuff. All right. So now McTavish Spirits and War Chief, you mentioned it's 75% corn, 21% rye, 4% malted barley. How did you land on that recipe? I, well, it, it was a really interesting process for me because I, I wasn't used to the, the the infinite number of variations that you can have with bourbon in terms of its composition. As long as it's over 51% corn and therefore counts as bourbon, um, you know, the, the, the possibilities are almost endless. You know, how you finish it, whether it's in, you know, sherry casks, uh, scotch finish port finish, et cetera, et cetera. And so all of these different vari variations, you put them all together. And and we tried a, a whole load of them. And there are other iterations that we have in mind down the line that we want to do. But we wanted to start with a bottled in bond because I think it's a very um, iconic and unique, uh, uniquely American um, thing that, you know, the, the, the restrictions applied to bottled in bond are uh, more strict than the ones applied to a lot of scotch and cognac so there was that yeah. so we wanted to do that kind of premium launch really for the first one and we just loved the taste that rye that extra rye in it for me gives it that spicy mm. um sort of cinnamon uh little bits of uh sort of fruit cake flavors in there which i just really you know personally nice. love so it really um, it, it it hit home for me when I when I tasted it. I thought, yeah, that's that's the one that we should start with, and they agreed. Uh, yeah. Was it similar to that moment when you had your first taste of bourbon with uh, with Nolan, if I have his, his name correct? Yeah, yeah, it kind of was. Well, it's, was it? it's just very exciting because we we had the we had the different um, sort of mixes of. The, the possibilities in little small bottles and we were going through them and trying them and uh <laughs> yeah yeah well, and then that was quite the weekend wasn't it how many oh, days yeah, were you it was, on the road? Yeah, believe me yeah yeah <laughs> and uh 
and and then uh, I think it was Paul. He tried one, and it was this one, and he said, "Oh, hold on, hold on, try this one." Really? And uh, Connor and I both tried it, and that was a little bit of a eureka moment. Yeah, a little bit That's like great. with with Nolan. You just go, okay, yeah, yeah, this is this is love. This is love. This is love. Yeah, it's so interesting these percentages and. I think, you know, I was talking to a master distiller in Kentucky and I think they had on this particular bourbon that he was talking about, they'd chemically analyzed it and they'd come, they determined that there were two and a half thousand discernible tasting notes within this bourbon. So many, I mean, obviously, you know, your palate would have to be so educated, sure. but, but the chemical analysis of it determined that and so when you just take a little bit of something away and add a little bit of something else and maybe age it a little bit longer maybe age it in a different barrel maybe you know all of these things affect it where it's the temperature um you know what the season was like um yeah. you know was it was it wet that year was it very very hot um mm -hmm. You know the the river that it's near, just all of this stuff, and I and I thought because I think a lot of people, me included, are, are you know you you go along in life thinking, oh well, you know it's all kind of the same, right? You know, it's a, but it's only when you start really tasting these different, and it's the same with scotch. You know, mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong, it's the same with scotch, but you start <laughs> tasting these things, and you realize that. The possibilities, as I said, are are endless. And so, you know, me, uh, I am an enthusiastic amateur like yourself, and I feel like I'm in the the foothills of the Bourbon mountain range, you know, and mm. and the, the really big mountains are in the distance, and I, I haven't even started climbing those. And the and and the thing about the Bourbon mountain range is it goes on and on and on and on and on and on. <laughs> and so you could you could live a, a hundred lifetimes and never experience all the possibilities that Bourbon offers. How fun! How fun! For those who have not yet following Graham on Instagram, I invite you to do that at Graham McTavish, and also make sure you follow McTavish spirits also on Instagram, really great storytelling there. And I have to tell you, Graham, that your passion for this just comes through. It's fun yeah. to watch yeah. your excitement <laughs> for this. I believe 100% what you're saying about two stories where we have this part of our lives where we, we give hundred percent of ourselves into what we do. Yeah. There's others, there's this other part of our life that, that just is more of a what I call a more passion project. This this podcast is that for me, where yeah. uh, and you've used the word like a love affair or love story. I love doing the podcast. That feels of what Bourbon is or McTavish Spirits War Chief is for you. Yeah, that's true. It is that, that's true, and and not just that. You know, um, I, I do have a, a real passion for it, um, and I also you know the 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 writing. Uh, you know, I want to do more writing. Um, I would like to break into doing more, doing fictional writing. I Good. have uh, an idea for that that I want to explore. Um, I would like to direct. I'd like to direct um, a, a movie. Um, and I want to get more into producing if I can as well. And so those things really excite me. As And, and I think that's only right as you get older and you experience more things and uh you know and the other passion of course is you know having your having kids that's a passion in my life you know having them around and 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 mm -hmm. and, and seeing what happens to children as they grow is 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 something that can't be replicated in any other way it's just wow. unique uh so uh, that's fun graham how many children do you have two two girls yeah, two girls. Um, they're sixteen and eleven. What, what do they think of what you're doing here with McTavish Spirit? Yeah, they're very. You no, know, it's very sweet actually. They're very proud. I mean, they've they've not tasted it, uh, but they they love my enthusiasm, and um, and I hope that's something I pass on to them. Uh, the 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 I, I think. I've always been a great believer in um, that sometimes ignorance can be a blessing when it comes to things in, in life. And that if you knew too much about something going into it, you would never even attempt it. Uh, I think that's definitely true of acting. 
I think if I if I'd known when I started the obstacles that lay ahead, uh, even something as simple as moving to another country, moving to America, if I right. know advance the just the inevitable bureaucratic obstacles that you encounter when you move to another country, it's you know it's daunting. But if you just throw yourself into it and you're just like, well, let's see what happens, um, you you just ride a lot. You ride those waves, you know. Mm-hmm. And and I I hope that's something that I'm uh, passing on to the kids that that life life is filled with possibilities and um you know if you if you have an adventurous spirit i think um you can't go far wrong i think that's a great point you know i've heard it described by others as ignorance on fire when you just are doing things (laughs) and you're not stopping to think about it too much sounds like that that's part of what you're saying yeah no totally totally and it's uh and bourbon is the same bourbon Mm -hmm. is the same you know my 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 knowledge of bourbon when I started with this uh, was scant, um, you know, uh, uh, literally just based on, I really love bourbon and I prefer it <laughs> scotch. You know, that that was the, the extent right. of it. And then if you're lucky enough to meet people that help develop that passion and that you're open to it, then that's where that that beginning of ignorance turns into something different. Really cool. Has Nolan tried War Chief McTavish Spirits yet? Very good question. We are um, we're in the process of uh, shipping him a bottle. He, um, I feel I at least owe him that. Uh, and he's actually joining me. We're doing um, a Bourbon and Beyond in uh, Kentucky. Uh, it in actually soon, a couple of weeks. Are and you? He's joining me for that. So I wanted oh, him to come along with me um as part of that uh, because he's special he loves really loves bourbon (laughs) and uh and he's one of my closest and dearest friends so oh what a special moment that's going to be that'll be fun yeah yeah, that'll be fun okay we talked about this uh mctavish spirits being this journey that you're on the sense of adventure Mm -hmm. i do have to ask you about men in kilts and your (laughs) season two with sam hewan and uh i i caught i mean you're now two episodes in i believe but where did, right. where did this idea come from? And are you really are you really good friends with Sam? Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, well, <clears throat> we're very different. Um, I'm uh, he takes me out of my comfort zone. Does he? And yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's always getting me to do <laughs> things I would never do, never. So that so that's not just that. part of the show. You truly no. are. Sam's Sam's pulling you along with sharks yeah. and zip lining oh, yeah. and everything. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, zip lining. Yes, I've done that in the past. That's okay. There are just some things that are not on my bucket list, and being in a cage <laughs> with great whites swimming around is is it's not one of them. It's not on my bucket no. list. Um, <laughs> but you know, he he does get me into these things, and it's good. It's good. It's good to challenge yourself. So I've never regretted afterwards doing anything with him. Um, but the idea of it, I guess. I was, um, I'd mentioned doing a, a show about Scotland or some kind of documentary idea to him when we were doing Outlander together. And that sort of lay dormant for a while. And I had, I'd written um, a sort of idea of something called Clanlands way back in 1991, um, based on my interest in the, the clans of Scotland and mm-hmm. the, the feuding and all the rest of it. And I talked to him about that as well. And and he rang me. I was in New Zealand and he rang me and I was in my kitchen. And uh, he said, listen, you know, mate, well, why don't we do something together? I think it would be fun. And uh, and again, it was one of those things that neither of us really knew what we were doing. Uh, so we just got a crew together. Sam got a crew together of, of people that some of whom had worked on Outlander. And we 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 charged around Scotland for about five consecutive weekends filming stuff. And it was yeah. not scripted. It's never scripted. There's no script. Um, we get the guests. We know where we're driving to. And that's it. And then we arrive and we talk. And we talk in the van and blah, 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 and all the rest of it. And so it's very um, improvised, very spontaneous. Mm. And uh, when we did that, we took it to stars who obviously did outlander or do outlander right and i'd never done a pitch before in my life and we sat there in the room together and we'd 
we'd edited together this um, little short teaser, I guess, and we showed it to them. And at the end of it, we were just like, and we went through the, and we want to do this with it, and we think this would be good, and blah, 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 and all the rest of it. And it was all a bit nerve-wracking. And at the end of it, uh, they sat there, and the head of stars just went, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll do it, yeah. And we were like, really? What? <laughs> really? And he went, yeah, yeah. And he it's literally, he just got up, out, got up out of his chair and went, no, it sounds great. Congratulations. Uh, I'll let them all take care of it. And um, yeah, I look forward to seeing it. And we were like, whoa. Why? Okay. And suddenly now we what? were making it. And that was in February. And we were filming it by August in Scotland. And uh, great, great fun. I mean, the New Zealand one came out of a combination of circumstances because of our schedules not aligning. It meant that the only time we could film together was January and February. And Scotland would just be really out of the question in January and February because it, was, right. it gets dark at like three o'clock in the afternoon. So um, I live in New Zealand part of the time and there's a big Scottish connection with New Zealand. Uh, we were interested in exploring the history there, again, being such a young country, even younger than the United States. And mm. the whole Maori um, indigenous people and how they interacted with European settlers and all of that sort of thing. And, and the fact that many of the Scots married into Maori society. There you go. Uh, which I found very history. Interesting. Yeah. History but, everywhere. And, absolutely. And so uh, that's what took us to New Zealand. And we charged around the country and I managed to enjoy some history in between having the living daylight scared out of me. I'm living through you on this. In the United States, the, we have the, the the Mercedes Sprinter vans. We see them everywhere. I live out here in Idaho. And so yeah, yeah, yeah. I whenever exactly. I see one of these, Graham, yeah. I have this romantic urge to go buy a camper van and travel across the United States. Mm. And is is that just me or is that, can you relate to what no, I'm saying? It's not just you. Um, I mean, having just been to the Highlands, they're, they're breeding. I mean, these camper vans are breeding. They're <laughs> everywhere. They're, there's, you you can't move for camper vans. Right. And, and I, I somewhat blame uh, Sam and I for this, encouraged more and more people to get into camper vans and drive around Scotland. Now, I've never driven in one of these sort of things in America. Hopefully, you know, if we do a season three, which... We, uh -huh. we would love to do. Um, we want to do it in America. Uh, but I've never driven out now, but the roads are built a little more um generously for mm -hmm. vehicles. Whereas the Highlands of Scotland, no, they're built for horses and carts. So if you're in a <laughs> RV driving down a single track road in the Highlands of Scotland, you you need to know what you're doing. Uh, and I think a lot of people sadly don't when they no. get into the camper van. You can see the look of stricken terror on their faces as you're driving past them. You're bigger than um, you think. Yeah. And, and and that's why hats off to Sam Hewan for doing the driving. He was very good. We did get stopped by the police once um, for actually driving too slowly uh, up a hill. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, the, the the camper that we were in in New Zealand was so terrible that once we got onto any kind of an incline, it just started to almost go into reverse. It was just, <laughs> it was terrible. And this police pulled us over and said, you're going too slow. And we can, we're going oh, as fast so as good. we can. <laughs> I noticed that. I was wondering, where's the top end Mercedes Sprinter van? But no, you had a little bit more retro feel on this one. Retro, retro is a, another word for just crap. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. okay. Hey, I, Graham, I have, I have zero pull with you at all, but let me just take a shot at it. I'm going to take my shot. When you do season three or four in the United States, Idaho has got to be on your, on your path. Here, mm. Here's part of your path. You're going to go through Jackson, Wyoming, and then come over here to Idaho Falls, Idaho, and then Sun Valley, Idaho. Mm. And, um, lunch on me with you and Sam. So just tuck that away. Okay. Will do. I mean, I'd been, I was in Montana. I I did a film in Montana last year and I've you never did. been to Montana and it was, I loved it so much. And, Big uh, sky, right? Isn't it true? Big yeah. sky. 
big a big sky i mean i was in the western part of montana so in the mountains uh, oh yeah just breathtaking breathtaking lovely people as well yeah uh and and by the way while we're talking about beautiful landscapes new zealand and uh your role in the hobbit just a you know Mm -hmm. unbelievable and what what was that like um being part of the hobbit and um that's such a question you've had a billion times but it's got to get off my mind no um it was great you know it was a life-changing experience uh i remember exactly when i got cast in the hobbit it was september the 8th 2010 at 3 p.m uh i got the phone call and the first person that i rang was my wife and the second person i rang was a good friend of mine who was a personal trainer because i knew that i would need to get the fittest i've ever been to do this job uh, because i knew what was coming and i spent five months training before i went to new zealand and then I did another three months while we were in New Zealand training. And I was, uh, I was, you know, because we were carrying, with, even without the armor and all the rest of it, we were carrying like 45 pounds of, of costume. Good um, grief. Fighting in it and running and all the rest of it. So it was very physically challenging, but mm-hmm. um, just a wonderful experience. Good grief. Wow. You know, I don't know if I'll ever be, on something of that scale it's it's just mind-boggling when you see what goes into making those kind of films that the the brilliance involved that the difficulties the obstacles because i think we all naively believe that um somebody like peter jackson and with something like the hobbit and the lord of the rings it was these were just inevitable because they're so beloved uh, but the actual road to getting these films made was fraught with difficulties. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. Oh, yeah. yeah, and it's a miracle that these sort of things ever get made, to be honest. Uh, mm. But I'm very glad I was involved in it, and I made some lifelong friends, and um, and people stop me all the time um, in connection with The Hobbit, and it's, yeah. uh, I'm, uh, yeah, it was a dream come true to be involved in. Well, Graham, um, again, I, I appreciate you being here. Before I, before I let you go, what is the best way to follow you and also McTavish Spirits? What are a couple of ways we can follow what's going on? Right. Well, me, um, the way to follow me is Instagram is at Graham McTavish, all one word, uh, no A in Mac, um, and at Graham McTavish on what is now known as X which I can't really get my head around, really. Not either. <laughs> I don't understand all that sort of stuff. But anyway, formerly known as Twitter, now known as X, at Graham McTavish. Um, and McTavish Spirits is also uh, the Instagram handle for the, the whiskey. And McTavishSpirits.com is where to go if you're interested in actually uh, buying uh, one of my fine tasty bottles that modestly is named after me. And by the way, I have two bottles um, on order at McTavish Spirits War Chief. So I wish I can't wait to. If I had one here, I I would, uh, you know, I would share a glass here with you. But I don't. So it's coming. So I've got two bottles coming. Good. Uh, Again, this is all pre-sale, correct? I mean, this is this is your chance in order to get the first release. We we are um, yes. Uh, So currently online only, but uh, we are in the process of. Um, going into first of all Kentucky um, uh, in stores we have announcements coming up about that and we're in discussions to do the same in Scotland uh, and in Texas I think California and then uh, trying to just go state by state because of all the different federal laws etc etc something I don't really understand but um, (laughs) we're doing events we're doing an event in St Andrews in Scotland we're doing one in London we're doing um, we're doing events in the United States. So we're, we're, we're really trying to um, engage with people as much as possible. And I'll be doing in-store signings, but that will be announced oh, cool. in due course. Oh, cool. And Instagram is probably the best way to follow um, follow you on that to, to learn yeah, more. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll be telling everybody all about it. Don't worry. Oh, yeah. So Graham, uh, at the end of each podcast, I asked my guests, what is your I dare you challenge for all of us? So what what would your challenge be for those of us who want to take one step closer to living the life that we want to live? What do you think? Oh, um, well, hmm, I think uh, I, I would dare people not to give in to fear, really. 
fear. I think fear is fear can be translated into all sorts of different ways in our lives. And I think resisting sometimes natural fear, sometimes not so natural fear, but but trying to be courageous with our lives and um, being bold, um, taking chances, being adventurous, I think is the greatest gift you can not can give not just to yourself, but to the society around you and, and certainly to your children. And to instill that in others and to practice it yourself is is the best thing that you can do with your life. Well said. That's a mic drop moment. Graham, it has been such an honor to have you uh, on this podcast you. talking you. about uh, your, your background, but also this McTavish Spirits and War Chief. I can't wait to see where you take this. And it's really been an honor having you here. So thank you. No, my pleasure. Thanks very much indeed. Thank you. Okay, that was Graham McTavish. What a, what a great opportunity that was for one of, the, one of the most prolific actors of our generation. And also, he's not done yet. I love how he has his eye toward the future. And when he talks about bourbon, you can just, you can just see it and you can feel it and the passion he has. So if you're not following him yet on Instagram, I invite you to do so. Not only Graham McTavish, but also McTavish Spirits. It's a classic example in living color about someone who is just so enthusiastic about what he's doing, and it is contagious. I know it's impacted me, and I invite you to check that out as well. Can I just say that Graham McTavish is one of the classiest guys that I've ever talked to? Just so you know, when I zoomed in with him that day, it was moving day. He was moving into a new place, and he still found time to talk to all of us and be our guest on the I Dare You podcast. Classy, nice, gracious, and so I appreciate Graham so much. And I'm cheering him on as McTavish Spirits starts getting both feet on the ground and starts running. So what are you going to take away from this interview? I, look, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to put a challenge to all of us. What's that part of your life that you are paid to do? And you do it really well. I know you do. What else is there in your life that would round you out that would consider more of a passion project or something that you do for yourself? You do everything for your employer. You do everything for maybe your employees in some situations for your family, for everyone wants a slice, it seems. And so what are you going to do for yourself? It might be a side gig. It might be a passion project. I'm not sure what it is for you, but I want you to think about that. And Graham gives us a wonderful example, a guy who has done so much in his career and frankly wouldn't need to do anything else beyond what he's doing right now and is still driven to do more and to tap into something else and always looking at what's next. So what's next for you? What's next for us? And instead of overthinking it, let's be ignorant about it. Ignorance on fire, and let's take that next step as if we didn't know anything about it. Let's take the risk. Let's take the shot. Now, if you like this episode, I invite you to share with others. One person, 10, hit that button, share. If you wait until tomorrow, you're probably going to forget. And I want to thank you so much for listening to this episode and to all of our episodes. The podcast continues to grow all because of you. I appreciate you more than you know. So now get ready for our next episode of the I Dare You podcast. By the time our next episode drops, my two bottles of McTavish Spirits War Chief bourbon will probably be uh, at my home. So I can't wait for that. And we'll also have a brand new episode as well of the I Dare You podcast. More stories to tell. And I'm glad you're along for the ride. I look forward to seeing you right back here next week. I'll see you then.